has a handsomest husband, but he's howly. Okay, he doesn't compete with the locals, but he's mine. Um, but I'm so uh, excited that all of you are able to join us this evening and that, um, you know, God brought you here um, to hear about a dream. And, and it may seem kind of, for some of you, you might think, I, I don't really have one. I'm not sure why I'm here. But you are here specifically to hear your dream from the very one who gave it to you. So, dreams. I wasn't really sure. I don't know if any of you were like this. When, when the topic of the title said dream, I didn't know really what that meant. I mean, are we going to be like interpreting dreams or are we going to be like talking about my dream vacation or how I can win the lottery or are we going to be talking about like, you know, more in depth, like the calling that God has on your life. You know, I I just really wasn't sure what, what this um, conference was going to be about. And the more I talked to all of you, you didn't know, you didn't know either. And, um, but this is really what was interesting is that each one of you wanted to be inspired. You, you wanted to know, was there a dream for me? Is that dream still there? Or did something happen along the way and God took that dream for me? So when it came to, uh, sit with God about dreams, I had to ask a question, what is a definition of a dream? So I had to look it up. I know this sounds crazy, but sometimes, you know, until you look up a definition of a word, you're really not sure what they're talking about. So I read the first definition and it says, a series of images, ideas, emotions, and sensations occurring involuntarily in the mind during certain stages of sleep. Okay, so we are going to be talking about like daydreaming and stuff because that's basically what it is. So then I went to go to the next definition but the Lord stopped me. And it was like he was saying, you know, there's something of great value in that statement. I want you to go back to it. I want you to reread that statement. I was like, oh, okay. Uh, A series of images, ideas, emotions, and sensations occurring involuntarily in the mind during certain stages of sleep. And as I, I sat there thinking about what did he want me to see, A question came to mind that I hope that you guys don't mind if I ask you. And that is, is anyone else here just sleeping through their life? Has anyone else here just been existing? You know, you you wake up and you, and you, and you, you prepare to go to work. You prepare to take care of kids. You pay bills or wonder how you're going to pay the bills. You, you, you clean, you cook, you do all that. And then the next day is just like a repeat. And every day after that's a repeat. And every day after that's a repeat until it's like, you're just sleepwalking through your life. I mean, you cannot even think about dreaming. There's no time to slow down. You're so engulfed in just existing in this life that God has given you. So every once in a while, you know, in my life, while I was sleepwalking through it, every once in a while, something would kind of come into my head about, oh, you know, that'd be kind of nice to have. Um, That'd be kind of nice to do. 
But then before it could even really take root, it was like there was something else inside that said, no, that's not for you. That's, that's for other people. That's not for you. And I thought, you know, God has a dream life for each of us. But some of us believe that the thought that God has a dream for our life is about as unrealistic as the thought that we're going to win the lottery. I mean, we just think, yeah, right, God, you have something for me. I don't think so. But I tell you, he wants to renew a hope in you. He wants to renew that dream that he breathed into you out of your first breath of life. I wasn't raised in an environment of of dreamers. I, I didn't come from a family who had big dreams or talked about big dreams or anything. My family, we came from survivors, you know, and surviving is what we did. We survived through life. We survived through circumstances and situations. And we survived very well by not dreaming because dreaming was just one more disappointment we didn't have to deal with. I didn't need to be disappointed in anything else. My life was already turning out to be very disappointing already. And so to dream was just something I didn't want to do. Now, I did have, I remember at 14, I had four things in life that I thought if I could just not do these four things, then life would be fine. If I could just avoid four things, I would be fine. Number one, I never wanted to get divorced. I'd watched my mom through relationships, through marriages, and I just thought, whatever happens, whatever the circumstances, I'm just going to stay married to the person no matter what. My second thing I did not want to do, absolutely, was I did not want to have children. And for me, the thinking behind not having children was because I was raised as a stepchild a lot. Um... And I guess I just felt like the kids always seemed to be at the heart of every argument. And it seemed to cause a hardship in the marriage. So in order to maintain the first thing, which was not to get divorced, and I needed to maintain the second thing, was not to have children. So I, I couldn't guarantee that I would never get divorced, so I didn't want to put a child through that. And so I decided at 14 that I would never have children. The third thing that I didn't want to do is I didn't want to live in my hometown. I wanted to break away from the area. Hello, Hawaii. (laughs) 4,000 miles away. And the fourth thing I didn't want to do, I didn't ever want to be like my mom. My mom has a great sense of humor, and she's just my best friend. But... Growing up, I always felt like she needed somebody in her life. She always needed um, a husband in her life. And I just thought, I never want to have to need somebody that way in my life. No matter who it was, I was going to stand on my own, and I was going to do my own thing on my own merit, and I never wanted to have to need anyone the way she needed to have somebody. So... As I began to prepare for this conference, I'm sorry, I'm really thirsty. Excuse me for a second. Look, the benefit of free water like the pastor. What? Awesome. I just got Hawaiian Isles. 
Okay. So, as I began to think about the conference and this message, um, you know, I called my mom and I was telling her I was going to be speaking. And I said, you know, mom, um, I was just wondering because, you know, nobody in our family has any dreams. Nobody's living out a dream. No one's pursuing a dream. And I was just wondering, like... You know, I've never asked you, and you've never volunteered to share the information, but do you, um, you know, have a a dream for your life? And I was prepared for her to say, no, never really thought about it, or, you know, none that I can think of, because, you know, my mom's always like, I don't know, I don't have anything. And, um, but she opened up her heart that evening, and she shared something with me, that God would like to share with each of you. So I said, Mom, do you have any dreams? Like anything that you hope for in life? Or you've never mentioned anything. And now that I'm at this conference, I'm wondering, do you have anything? And she said, no, not really. I mean, maybe in a few years when I retire, I'll do some traveling or something. But, you know, that's probably not going to happen. I'm just going to, you know, end up hanging around the house with the dogs and watching TV. That's what I'm going to do. I said, Mom, you can't dissolve the dream before it happens. I mean, that's not even a dream if you discount it in the same sentence. And she was like, oh, okay, um... You got it. So I was like, you got anything else for me here to go on? She goes, well, I guess I have one dream that I've always held on to, but it's never going to happen for me. I said, well, what, what's that? What is that, mom? What do you have? And after a long pause, which I believe she might've been just working up the courage to speak out loud. She said, I've always wondered what it would be like to be really loved by someone. I mean, to really feel like you're number one to them, that they value you more than anything else in this world. I know I have loved a man like that, but he never loved me like that. And so now that he's dead... That chance is lost with him. I mean, I'm 54 years old, Christy. I'm overweight. I'm a smoker. I just have dogs. I don't have anything to offer anyone else. So I don't think I have a dream anymore. I'd like to start dating again, but, you know, I'd probably just settle for some guy because... I think I should just be grateful anyone wants me. And after just pausing for a moment to hear what she had to say, God laid on my heart and I said, Mom, I guess that makes me think of another question I need to ask you. And she said, what's that? I said, thinking back to your youth, all the way till now, through your life, Have you ever felt worthy of a dream? Have you ever felt like you deserved a dream? And a long pause later, she says, 
I guess not. No. I've just never really felt worth it. So for all my moms out there, and there are some of you out there, I would say to you what I would say to her if she was standing here. You are worth a dream. There is nothing from your past that has disqualified you from the future. There is nothing in your past that has disqualified you from a dream. Nothing. Amen? There's nothing. God sees you and he values you above everything he has created on earth. Every wonderful and good and beautiful thing he has created, he values you above all. He has placed in your heart a dream that only he can feel and wants to feel. If you'll open up your heart and take a chance on his love. I know it's scary. My mom mentioned that she was afraid. She was afraid to be hurt by one more person. Even if it was the king of kings. She just doesn't know if she could muster up enough trust to believe that he has something left for her. But I know if he asked, she asked him... He would say to her, as he said to us in Song of Solomon, My darling, everything about you is beautiful. And there is nothing at all wrong with you. So, as we just prepare to continue in this message, I would just like to take a quick time to say a prayer. And just so that we can prepare our hearts to really know that as you're sitting in the seat right now, that these messages, that what's being spoken this weekend is for you. I know you might have showed up here with a friend or someone just gave you a ticket and you didn't have anything else to do tonight because it's Hilo. But <laughs> it is a divine appointment with your father, okay? So if we'll just prepare our hearts and, and, and bow your heads so we can pray. Heavenly Father... You watched over us as we was being formed in utter seclusion. As you wove us together in the dark of the womb, you saw each of us before we were born. Every day of my life has been recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God? They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. Lord, tonight, would you open our eyes to see what you see in us? And your great love for each of us, would you remind us that we were created with a beautiful dream that only you can fulfill? And I ask, Lord, I ask for the courage to believe you. Amen. So...
A dream can kind of be a funny thing. I mean, in its purest form, the way in which God gives it to us, it can bring us great joy. It can renew hope in us in the darkest times of our life if we can reflect on that dream and remember that he's given it to us. And it can help to strengthen us during the challenging times of our life. When I asked a lot of people, and I did talk to a lot of women, like, what, what's your dream? Usually they included something about obtaining something. A dream house or a dream car, a dream guy. Uh, you know, about everybody just thought, I'd just like to be financially comfortable. I don't need to be rich. Just, I just don't want to know where my next meal is coming from or how I'm going to pay the bill. Or I just want to be comfortable. And I don't see anything wrong with those dreams because some of those things are on my list. But sometimes good dreams can go bad when we forget to consult God. When we invite him to lay out the plan and be willing to take a journey with him as our guide. Tonight, I hope to share three questions with you that God had put in my life to ask me that will help you to align your dream, whatever your dream is, how do we bring that into alignment, into cooperation with what God's dream is for us? So first, let's see what the Bible says about getting off track. In James 1, 14 through 15, This helps us to understand what can happen when a dream isn't brought under God's covering. And what I'm going to do tonight is, if you don't mind, I'm going to insert the word dream in place of desire. Because a dream is sometimes, it's a strong desire bubbling within us. And so tonight I'm going to replace the word dream in place of desire when I read this scripture. Once again, it's going to be James 1, 14 through 15. Temptation comes from our own dreams, which entice us and drag us away. These dreams give birth to sinful action, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So, God gave me a story in the Bible for about a man who pretty much had similar dreams like most of us says, a rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know. I'll tear down my barns and build a bigger house. Oh, I'm sorry, bigger one. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and all my stuff. And I'll sit back and I'll say to myself, my friend, You have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. He didn't say the man was a fool to want wealth or to have wealth. He said that when you replace wealth with a relationship with God. I say in this story, I think, hey, you know, I thought this guy was pretty smart. I mean, he did. God's the one who gave him the fertile land. The guy didn't create the land. And all he did was go out and work hard 
and he earned what he had. Then I, he figured, I need to put my money in a savings or a CD or a money market. I don't know. And uh, so it can be there for my future. And when the time comes, I'll retire and I'm going to sit back and I'm just going to enjoy uh, all my hard work from the past years. There's no mention that he didn't tithe or that he was like some, you know, big jerk to people. It didn't say that, you know, that, you know, he didn't, you know, flaunt his wealth or anything. It just said that he had wealth. So, where's the fault? Why the death sentence for a man pursuing a dream? I'd say in the first three verses, he references himself 11 times. See, no mention of... See, no mention of what the Lord has done for him or inquiring of God is how to use his abundance of wealth. Max Lucado, in his book, Fearless, says, Jesus Christ, Jesus criticized not the man's affluence, or meaning his abundance, abundant wealth of property, but his arrogance. Not the presence of personal goal, but the absence of God in those goals. The Bible says, dear children, keep away from anything that might, might take God's place in your hearts. As I reflect on several of the dreams I've had, I begin to see that not all I have pursued have led down a path of satisfaction. And because I, I wasn't from an environment of dream, dreamers, I wasn't sure what a God-given dream would look like. So, I mean, was it going to be big and spectacular or kind of quiet and small. And really the heart of my question to God was, is it going to be as good as everyone else's? Cause I don't want to be gypped. So for most of my life, I did what I thought was the right thing to do. I pieced together a dream for myself and I thought, you know, if I could have this person's car and this person's house and this person's job and these person's kids and I never said this person's husband. I did not say that. I may have thought it, but I didn't say it. But sometimes, you know, you start taking things from people's lives. You start looking around you and start going, well, what would the perfect life look like? What would the dream life look like? And so you grab pieces from other people's dreams and you start compiling your own dream. So as I began to pursue this dream, it was exhausting and disappointing and unfulfilling in my spirit. You know, some dreams can take a hold of us, make us so busy and consumed with desire that it overshadows the desire to do God's will. Once I became a Christian, I thought, oh, I'd never deal with this again. I'm never going to want to, you know, have what others have. I'm going to be completely satisfied in what God gives me. Then I moved to Hawaii. And I'd never heard of coach purses before. Matter of fact, I don't think I've ever owned a purse that wasn't bought at Walmart. And, uh, but I began to see everybody with them. And my friends were like, oh, coach purses, you got to go to the factory outlet in Waikoloa. And you got to do this and you got to do that. And oh, and I was just like, um, yeah, you know, I'd rather have the money in my purse. Than to own that purse. 
you know, you're clapping, but um, uh, you know, this purse thing just you know, I shrugged it off at first, but you know, a funny thing happened. I started thinking, well, maybe because I like the women who are carrying the coach purses and I kind of want to be like them. Heidi. I thought if I carried a coach purse, I would be spiritual as well. So it happened on a trip to Denver and I went there with a friend of mine from Hawaii and they, our family was saying, hey, you know what? We got to go to these outlet malls. They're like an hour away. And I'm like, okay, well, what do they got? I don't want to just waste my time. Well, oh, they got this. They got this. They got a coach outlet. I, what? Yeah, we're stoked. Let's go. So I don't know why. Still never owned one. I don't know why. So I walk around this teeny tiny store for like two hours. And I'm just like, oh, okay. Do I want to eat the rest of the week? Do I want to look like everybody else? So I wrestled back and forth. And finally, I got one and a matching wallet. And I was in love with this purse. I was in love for like two weeks. I think I was in love with this purse. And then I was like, oh, buyer's remorse. And if you get anything at the outlet mall, you can't return it. And I was just so down. I was sick of looking at this purse after two weeks. I was like, I could have gone to Walmart and got a purse for every week. But so, you know, my first thought is I will find someone else who could appreciate this and I'll just give it to them. Because I'm just sick of looking at it. But you know what? Here comes Jesus whispering in my ear. He goes, oh, no, 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 no. You're going to hold on to that purse as a reminder. (laughs) To not make foolish decisions based on the desires of others. I have created in you your own desires for purses at Walmart. And that is what I want to fulfill. See, God was teaching me that my value was in me and not what I was carrying around. Five years I've been carrying that purse around. So this leads me to our first question of the evening. When I find myself staring into a dream, wondering, how do I know this is your will and not just my own desire taking place? The first question God said to ask, does my dream line up with God's character? Does it reveal his glory or does it glorify me? In Psalms 105, he says, until the time came to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. Well, I realized from that scripture, my character wouldn't hold up under a coach purse store. I was going to have a really difficult time winning the lottery because I would just be too self-centered to do anything with that money, but spend it on coach purses. 
You see, he wants to give you big dreams and he wants to see them come to life, but it's got to glorify him. You know, some people have small dreams. Yeah, I just want to drive a BMW. What's wrong with that? Is that such a bad dream to have? No, it's not a bad dream to have. And do I know if God placed that dream in your heart? Maybe he did, but he's not going to go outside his character to do it. He's not going to ask you to go drive a car and then you can't afford to pay your rent. Okay. Does he want you to have a coach purse? Maybe he wants you to have the coach purse, but he's not going to go ask you to run up credit card debt and get in debt to look like everybody else. You see where I'm going? It's got to be in line with who God has called us to be. He says in first Corinthians, whatever. So whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Everything about us, our lives should glorify him. The goal of life is to become more like Christ and less like the world. And a big part of becoming like Christ is when he refines us, when he shapes our character to be more like his. You know, you could say a dream is really a journey to shaping character. In Daniel, he says, the testing will refine, cleanse, purify those who keep their heads on straight Stay true, for there is still more to come. I said, hallelujah, more to come? What is it? I can't wait. What is more to come? I was thinking he's about to give me some bigger dream. I like, what is it? What, oh, what's the dream? The, the more to come is the journey. See, once your character is being built, now you're ready to start the journey towards the dream. And the second question he asked me was, Am I willing to submit to his timing and his direction? The interesting thing about a dream is that it rarely takes the path we anticipate or happens in the time frame we set. If that dream doesn't take off as soon as it's conceived in our heart and flows to our mind, we think two things. Either God failed us or God has just decided not to give me that dream. I have failed him. And now he's not giving it to me anymore. The character of patience, faith, endurance is going to be crucial for any journey you take to a dream. A dear friend of mine here, Arnessa Aranon. Arnessa, is she, is she out here? Okay. We have a brand new ministry starting up on Monday. And it is New Hope's newest ministry, Martial Arts. Yeah? which will teach the skills of Kung Fu. I see my son. He's like, yeah. Okay. That's right. And you know what? She's teaching Kung Fu to women on Friday. So you guys are interested. You better go check her out. So my son's so stoked about Kung Fu. Look, he's like, yeah, Kung Fu. My son's so stoked about learning Kung Fu. And he talks about it all the time. So much that he reminded me of this guy who got a dream stuck in his heart and he was not letting go of it, no matter what path it took.
to see the Dragon Warrior! But I don't understand. You finally had the noodle dream! I lied. I don't dream about noodles, Dad. I love Kung Fu! Son, let's get back to work. Okay. Sorry, I just wanted to see who the dragon warrior was. How interesting. Master, are, are you pointing at me? Him? Who? You? Me? The universe has brought us the dragon warrior. What? 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 Totally forgot to tell you that dude was a panda bear. <laughs> Look, I, I'm a stay-at-home mom, and my God speaks to me all the time through Disney and Pixar and all kinds of situations, okay? But, you know, that's, that's kind of the, the path that dreams take sometimes. Now, has ever, anyone ever experienced a moment, and, and you're like, you're sitting on your, your chair full of fireworks and you're like, you're ready to shoot off into the good life, right? Somewhere you got a glimpse of your dream and you're like, yeah, man. Okay, finally. Yes, God, you're going to take me to, and you sit on that dream. And then it doesn't really happen in the way that you think it's going to happen. And then it kind of fizzles and, you know, you kind of start getting embarrassed and, you know, maybe people will start saying to you, oh, you know, you, ha- you heard God wrong or, you know, you, you just, you're, you're kind of reaching a little bit high for your life, aren't you? Or, you know, maybe they're just like, you know, you're, 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 you're not really made to do that, you know? Well, I tell you, at that moment, you got a choice to make. You either stay on the chair or you get off the chair. And I hope the Lord encourages you not because he wants you to stay on the chair. You see... You're going to hit some walls when you're dreaming. You're going to encounter times when you feel like you're hanging in the air. You're going to feel like you're falling with no hope. But if you keep strong in your faith with him, you might open your eyes and find yourself in the midst of your greatest dream. See, God placed a dream in my heart not long ago, not long, not too long after I gave my life to him. A vision of a life that I had long since been afraid of. Kids. 
Now, my husband and I, at this point, had been married 13 years, and we were very satisfied, we thought, um, living our life. And then God said, oh, you're going to have kids. And uh, we were like, nah, that's not from God. And so we talked it over for a year before really letting go of our fears and trusting God. And it took me a little while, but in January 2007, we were blessed with a son, Josiah. I never knew, I did never knew that I could just be completely, utterly in love with a child. But I am. And a few months after his birth, my devotion seemed to lead me to another dream, which I had dreamed about for a few years, which is a return to Texas. I was overjoyed to return to my family and share both the love of Jesus with them as well as the blessing of, of a new child into our family. See, um, I wasn't a Christian when we moved here. God, God in, I encountered God and God encountered me and when I came to Hawaii and came to this church. And so I really, you know, I didn't realize it until God was reminding me that, you know, I did have a dream from as a child. You know, I dreamed that our family would be able to get together and just live in a state of peace. You know, that we'd have family barbecues and that we would all, you know, go to each other's kids' activities and that, you know, we would share holidays together without anybody getting arrested, you know. Um, you know, that we'd be just be able to come together as a family. I always thought that would be, that's just incredible. I saw it happening when I was a child. It seemed like it was happening to other people. And I just thought I would love to live in a family like that. Everything was pointing to the return to the mainland. Now, this is where the path has changed with my twists and turns. I tried convincing my husband that God was calling us to return. Uh... But he wasn't really having it. And um, he loves his job here. He loves his job. He loves Hilo. He loves everything. So, you know, I was becoming more and more miserable. And he was becoming happier and happier. And that is really annoying to watch on a daily basis. (laughs) So, as a Christian, I thought I'm going to do the holier of things. So... I set up a meeting with one of the pastors, ended up being Pastor Sheldon, and I had all my ducks in a row. Let me tell you, I had scripture. I had, I had just devotionals that just spoke of calling out, like, God, God's moving us, and I just know it. And, and I'm just so excited. I was so excited to win this debate. I couldn't even stand it. So we met Pastor Sheldon at Starbucks, and... You know, I, my mom was like on standby. I was like, I'm meeting with my pastor, and 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 and, and I'm, I'm mom. I'm so much holier because Chris isn't reading his Bible, and so I know, and he doesn't, and and and, and the pastor's just gonna, ooh, it's gonna be so great to watch. <laughs> so, I sat down with Pastor Sheldon, with Chris and I, and the pastor listened to me share my heart. He listened to all my scripture. He, he you know, he he did what he does, which is this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so, and then, you know, I made sure I pointed out, you know, like, Chris doesn't read his Bible. 
don't know if that's going to influence your decision because apparently I thought Pastor Sheldon was going to be the one to make the decision. So I thought I just better let him know in advance. So Chris was not praying like I was praying. So he wasn't hearing anything. I was hearing everything. You're on my side. So Pastor Sheldon looked at Chris and he said, Chris, you know, how do you feel about this? Do you, do you feel um, God calling you to move? He goes, I don't know. I ain't praying about that. He goes, I am perfectly happy right now. He goes, you know what? I have moved every time she has asked me to move. And I will tell you in 17 years of marriage, we have moved 13 times. (laughs) He says, I've moved every time. I have followed her our whole marriage. And now it's my turn to be healthy. And I don't care if it's selfish. So I thought, I'm just sitting there, right? Like, just like, but really inside going, (laughs) whoa, your sin's been called out, brother. It's all over now. So I'm just like, Pastor Sheldon? And he goes, well, there you have it, right? I mean, my feet were just about ready to be like, whoa. There you have it, Christy. You stay. See, God would never call you to leave your husband. God has called you to submit under him, under his protection, under his blessing. So until God makes him go and take a job that he doesn't want, I hope this is what he said. It was something ridiculous. I mean, it was, it was, (laughs) sorry. It was, it was from God. It was from God. I'm sorry. It was from God. Now I'm really thirsty. Until God gives her husband a job he doesn't want in a town he doesn't want to live in, then you'll know that's God. And I'm like, what? make any why why would I want to move to a town I don't want to be in I'm already in one I don't want to be in and why would I go to a job he doesn't want to have I mean that is ridiculous (laughs) to say I left that meeting angry would be an understatement (laughs) it would be to say I didn't talk to my husband say for four or five days (laughs) would be completely accurate I almost left without Chris. The weight of being a new mom and just feeling really insecure about that, feeling like I'd never been shown what to do and and feeling like I didn't have a support system here and and knowing that God had placed this dream in me. You know, I, I knew he wanted my family to know Jesus too. I was so heart, heartbroken, and, and so was our family on the mainland, who I put all the blame on, Chris. <laughs> and a pastor. <laughs> Sorry, they still like you, though. But, you know, God, he gave me just a little bit more strength to do his will than to do mine. So I put my credit card away. 
and I clicked off travelocity.com. And I really believe that when you're in that journey, when you're in your journey moving forward and you're really trying to submit and trying to follow his way and his timeline, you're going to have little rewards that come up because that's just how he is. Oh, he's so good. That's just how he works. And so he gave me a reward, a very beautiful young lady named Danielle, hallelujah, who became our babysitter. I love her. She is incredible and it has been a complete joy to watch her grow for the last four years. And she inspires me uh, with her charisma and her enthusiasm for life. And he began to give me other moms and other friends and encourage me here in Hilo. And he must have sent Heidi to drag me onto the women's team. And, you know, so I just held on to that dream, waiting, willing to wait a little while longer. And one afternoon as I was doing my devotionals, God led me to a story in the Bible, which encouraged me to say the course. So I'm going to read this brief chapter of Jeremiah 29. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel says to all the captives. He has exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem, build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat their food at the farmer's market. No, that's not what it says, but it says eat the food they produce. (laughs) Marry, done it. Have children, doing it. Then find spouses for them so that you may have many grandchildren. Multiply, do not dwindle away, and work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will will determine your welfare. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel says. Do not let your prophets and fortune tellers who are with you in the land of Babylon trick you. Do not listen to their dreams because they are telling you lies in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. This is what the Lord says. You'll be in Babylon for 70 years, but then I will come and do for you all the good things I have promised and I will take you home again. You see, the children of Israel knew about not working on their time frame. They knew better than anyone that the time frame of a dream, of a promise, could turn into many, many years. They were always on a journey. They were being taken captive in Egypt. They were wandering through the wilderness. They were being taken captive by Babylon. I mean, it was like they, everybody in that land kept say, signing up for like a captivity vacation package or something. You know, it's like, you know, people, you know, they, they kept um, being taken captive. And, and I can't imagine that people were just signing up to do this. I can't imagine they're at the travel agency asking for the captivity package. Like, oh my gosh, I hear it's going to take a long time. But, oh, it's beautiful there and it's shopping and everything. No, they did not want to be taken there either. So I thought, okay, I'm in exile. This is my Babylon. Good. That means I'm going to leave soon. Well, a year passed and I tried the subject out again with my husband. Are you praying? Are you sensing anything from God? Nope, not yet. So anger welled up in me again. 
And I just, I remember going to God saying, when, when, why would you give me something and then never fulfill it? When is this going to happen? And I began to slip out of my devotionals. Okay, not really. I just began to rebel. I did it on purpose. I just stopped doing them. I thought, I'm not going to do them anymore until you answer the ones that you give me already. And I started finding reasons to miss church and, you know, excusing myself from reading the Bible and until, you know, Chris started to do the right thing too, since he was the leader. <laughs> you know, I got angry. I didn't want to come to the church where a pastor would say, you have to do it anyway, because I was more spiritual. That's not right. And once again, my dream burned so passionately in me that I, I just knew it was the right thing to do. See, by this time, we'd purchased a home, and I felt like, oh, I was kind of feeling trapped here because we owned a home. And I pressured Chris even more to leave. And I felt like, I felt like I was breaking inside. Like, God was calling me to be somebody that, that's not me. I'd learned to submit. I had, I was submitting. But then God called me to do something else. And I heard Jesus whisper to me one day, can you be satisfied if all that you have is me? Will you trust me to support, be your support? Would you trust me to encourage you? I'm going to teach you how to be a great mom. I'm going to teach you how to be a submissive wife. I'm going to teach you how to be a great friend. Would you trust me and the way I'm going to take you? So again, I waited and I said, yes, Lord. In September of 2009, we learned we'd be blessed with another child. And my second son, Ananiah, was born in May of 2010. I decided I'd been patient long enough. Okay. I had learned to submit. I learned to be happy if it was just about Jesus. But I needed to get home. I wanted to be home towards my family. I wanted to share Jesus with them. Once again, I was on Travelocity.com, about to get ready to accomplish my dream in my own way. You see, I don't know if any of you ever read the Bible like this. This, this could just be me because I, I still have issues. But sometimes when I read the Bible, I, I kind of have a tendency to read what I want to see and not what's there. So the verses I've been holding on to for like two years in Jeremiah went something like this. Build houses and settle in the land. Blah, 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 blah. For all the good things I've promised, I'm going to bring you home again. Yeah, I've been holding on to this promise for like a year and a half, two years, you know. And then this past December, God called me to this chapter again. And I asked him, Lord, show me what you're seeing because I'm not seeing it. And I'm and the message I got this time settled a restlessness in my spirit and brought a willingness and a joy to do things in the time he felt was best. See, the message he was trying to give me was to love the land you're in. You see, God's promises didn't stop at verse 10 when I stopped reading. He had equipped me. He was trying to equip me 
for something else. Just as he was trying to equip his children, he gave them the rest of Jeremiah. Starting at verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. And those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me to give you, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you. And I will bring you home again to your own land. You see, I didn't get to choose the when or even the how. But I do get the promise of I will. And in the end, the promise is what I want. In Proverbs 4.11 is an encouraging scripture for you who are on a journey like me. He says, I am guiding you in the way of wisdom and I am leading you on the right path. See, we have to follow Because if not, the dream gets distorted. It becomes our own way, our own way of accomplishing it, our own way of obtaining it. We have to stay within the character of God. We have to stay within the time frame and the direction of God. And our final third question, am I remembering to celebrate my present day blessings? Am I being faithful in the little? See, In the beginning, I was so consumed by returning to Texas that it was making me unhappy in all areas of my life. I didn't stop to acknowledge what God was already bringing to pass in my life. It's easy to get consumed with, are we there yet? You know, like a small child on a car ride who keeps asking. And as parents, we just say, you know, just sit back and enjoy the ride. I promise I'll let you know when we get there. Okay, I don't really say it like that. I say, be quiet. I'll tell you when you get there, okay? I ain't going without you. That's how God talks to me too. So, when dreams stretch out decades, how much more can we become obsessed with obtaining that dream that we forget to take joy in our everyday blessings? I'm 17 years into an incredible marriage. I've got two incredible, beautiful sons. I have a complete love and restoration within my family. A relationship there to talk to them about Jesus. And maybe they're not there yet, but the doors are opening for me. And I can promise you that if my brother calls me and says... Hey, it's been 15 years since I walked away from the Lord, but I want you to know um, I'm back. I'm back with you. I'm there. I've asked God to come back into my life and to restore in me what he started in me. I can promise you I'm not going to be like, that was only supposed to happen when I was there. I don't care anymore. So what? No, I'm going to be jumping for joy and dancing Wherever I am, in case you see me out and that's happening, I will be dancing wherever it is. 
See, this is the day the Lord has made. We should rejoice and be glad in it. See, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. See, the word desire broken down, D is Latin for of and and sire is Latin for father. See, when we delight ourselves in him, our very desires are from him. See, everything that we could ever want, he opens up in us. I don't, I don't know where you are in your process of dream. I mean, I don't know if you're like my mom and you're still just mustering up the courage to, to believe that he has a dream for you. I don't know if you're where I am and I'm just walking this journey, never knowing when that dream is going to come to pass or, or when, when I, when, or if I'll, I'll see that dream or if it'll be a dream, um, that I pass down to my children. My mom said to me the other day, she said, you know, I was thinking about what I told you and I realized something. I realized that God had already fulfilled my dream through my children. Because I know Chris adores you. And I would never want my children to ever not know what it is to be loved. And I said, you know what, mom, you're right. Your dream has been passed down to the next generation and and we are living it. But it is not too late for God to do something in you. It is not too late for my mom to have her dream. I don't know if you're where Arnessa is and finally seeing her dream tangible to be able to finally teach martial arts to young people. I don't know where you are in the spectrum of those dreams, but I know this, you have one, you know, don't let go of it. Work it out with him. Talk it out with him. Cry it out. Yell it out. You're not going to, you're not going to hurt his feelings. He's strong. He can take it. Trust me. I've tested him time and time again. I assure you he will endure. And so I just pray that each of you would endure in your dreams and that each of you would grab hold of that dream and that you would not, not let go. Thank you.